You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Today is kind of a strange day. Um, very little has happened, so it's it's kind of a mix of here's the stuff that happened, although it's not much. There's actually probably more other people news from their training camps, at least. There were press conferences and things that are interesting. But um, So it's going to be similar to previous episodes where we go over that stuff, but then there's going to be just a lot more of other things. I am currently listening to, and I was planning on finishing it so I can get all the different notes and whatnot, but the Aubrey Marcus podcast that had Aaron Rodgers on it. Um, and right out of the gate, I mean, I got two or three sound clips or whatever that are pretty good. And um, it has been an hour straight of just talking about, you know, tripping out on psychedelics, which is somewhat interesting, but it's also just kind of like, all right, is there anything else going on here? Because I mean, it's it's interesting from a standpoint of somebody who has never done ayahuasca. No comment on other things, but you know, it's it's just and and then he gets super into, you know, it has some kind of a deeper meaning, which whatever. <laughs> it's like I don't know that I fully understand the thing where you destroy the wiring in your brain and cause it to start firing and all kinds of crazy things to cause you to hallucinate and see nonsense, and you somehow think that that's made your brain better and seeing more clearly when it's quite literally doing the opposite to your brain. But whatever, you you go on whatever journeys you got to go on. It's 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 fine. It's just I'm I'm kind of over listening to it, I guess, and that's just all they want to talk about. So, as I slowly chip away at this two and a half, two hour and 38 minute podcast, I may have some other clips maybe tomorrow or something, but I'm only an hour and six minutes in and uh Again, I keep getting little bits here and there, but it's like, all right, I, I, I don't care. I need to do other stuff. So, uh, yeah, we'll queue up those clips. We got some press conference stuff and some goodies from Rogers and everything, which were pretty exciting. I guess we'll start the way we always start and get that stuff out of the way. Again, not a ton of news. Uh, Sky Moore's back. Uh, Tom Brady is not going to be in the preseason game, which obviously, however... The Chicago Bears apparently have decided that they will play their starters in uh, the preseason game against the Chiefs. So Justin Fields and all those guys. So that'll be kind of cool that, you know, it'll also be great because the Chiefs obviously are not going to play their starters. So there's only two ways that this goes. Number one, the Bears actually look pretty good and then they get all excited about it. And then we get to laugh at Bears fans for getting excited about the Bears actually doing things against a, a, a team's backup unit. Or conversely, they're not able to do things, and then we can really laugh at them. So <laughs> it's it's great. I would hate it if it was like the Packers starters against a bunch of back. And I'm sure that's happened occasionally. Usually, other teams um, kind of leave their guys in longer than we do. 
which is annoying for a different reason because we want to watch our guys do well and they can't because it's like going up against like the premier players and it's like I just want to give them an opportunity to do something. You know, like Jordan Love and the backup offensive line and the backup wide receivers going up against a starting defense. It's like, come on, man. How is this going to work? But the other direction is, is hilarious as well. As far as former Packer watch, Bill Belichick says Ty Montgomery had a really good offseason after signing with the Patriots in March. He's pretty versatile. Looks like he can do a lot. We've seen Montgomery play wide receiver, running back, kick returner, and a variety of other special teams roles in camp, making a stronger case for the roster. And I think I said when he went over there that he's probably going to break out with the Patriots because that's the exact same thing that happened to uh, Cordero Patterson, who's a very similar style of, of guy. He's, he's sort of a tweener that never really found his stride, and then he went to the Patriots and was actually pretty dominant. And then after a year, they let him go. But he, like his grade went through the roof, and they used him in just like a certain package that just worked. And so I'm, I'm fully expecting Ty Montgomery to just have a great career and everyone to be like, oh, I knew it. I always liked that guy. But the, uh, the really interesting thing from around the NFL that I found that is hilarious, this is uh, via Charlie Intel on, on Twitter. Sorry, hit the wrong button. Um, it says, we tweet about all things Call of Duty, including Modern Warfare 2, Warzone, Warzone 2.0, Warzone Mobile, Vanguard, and Activision. So it's a uh, Call of Duty channel. 2.5 million followers this channel has. Well, there's a whole big thing from Kyler Murray and his team where in his contract they made it so that he has to do X amount of um, study. They since have removed that because everyone said, that's mean, you can't do that. And they're like, okay, fine, we won't do that. Anyways, this Charlie Intel decided to do a statistical analysis of Kyler Murray's passer rating. Well, let me just read it to you, and then I'll do my best to explain it. A statistical analysis of Kyler Murray's performance on Call of Duty Double XP Weekends. And as as it was explained to me by JJ, um, essentially as you play the game, you earn XP, which I think is experience. I don't know. You're, you're gaining these points, these XP experience points. There are certain weekends where you get double XP. In other words, if you play during this time period, you're going to get double the amount. So it's just, it's encouraging you. You have to do this. And a lot of people who are super hardcore into Call of Duty, which is most people that play Call of Duty, they're psychotic about it. They'll pull like all-nighters. JJ was talking about it, and he said he's worked with people in the past who will call in sick on these kinds of weekends. Or or they'll, they'll stay up all night on these weekends and will call in sick on Monday to catch up on sleep because they basically have just been not sleeping, really, you know, aside from maybe a few hours or something. So it's pretty psychotic. So the point is, we're just curious on these kinds of weekends if there's any dip in production. Goes on to say, with the recent news of Kyler Murray's recently rescinded study, uh, study hall clause, rumors are rampant that Kyler Murray plays too much Call of Duty. I was wondering what statistical validity there might be to these claims, so I scoured the internet for past 2XP events and other promotional events across all Call of Duty console games. For simplicity, I'm referring to Call of Duty promotional events, 2XP, 3XP, etc., as a 2XP weekend. I cross-referenced this data with Kyler Murray's stats from Pro Football Reference and compiled it here. Kyler, so first of all, passer rating. Kyler Murray's average passer rating on non-2XP weekends is a 97.43 and an 89.65 on 2XP weekends, showing a negative 7.77 difference on 2XP weekends. Murray's average yards per game is 251 on non-2 XP weekends and 245 on 2 XP weekends, showing a negative uh, six yard per game difference. Completion percentage, 67.29 compared to 67.17, uh, 
showing a negative 12% difference on 2XP weekend. And his win-loss record, 18-16, and 18-16-1 on non-2XP weekends, 4-7-0, showing a negative uh, 16% win difference on 2XP weekends. Conclusion, Kyler Murray's performance on 2XP weekends is worse in all categories. Clearly, there's no explanation for Kyler's performance deficits other than he's busy grinding for rare character skins and excessive amounts of XP. If you have any improvements to my shaky statistics uh, work or if I missed in a season, blah, 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 let me know. So obviously this was meant to be kind of silly, but it's also kind of hilarious. And honestly, probably there's some truth to it. And I don't think it's just Kyler. I think there are other players that are like this. I've I've shared some concerns about Packers players as well. I don't want to dig too much into it because I know these guys are grinding. They're in the meeting rooms. I'm sure they're putting in the work and they just want to kind of unwind and play a video game at night, which is fine. I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is I know how some of these guys can be. And I know that there are some people like Rashawn, and hey, for all I know, Rashawn is grinding real hard on Call of Duty or, or whatever games that are currently popular right now. I don't know. But let's just use him as a model of somebody who goes above and beyond and isn't just putting in the required hours in the gym and requires required hours on the field and then making my time my time. Or possibly, or maybe cutting some of these workouts short. Now, it would be hard to believe A.J. Dillon would be, although I know he's a big gamer because, I mean, you can't maintain those thighs <laughs> if you're sitting around eating potato chips and not squatting regularly. I'm just saying it's a concern generally, especially for young guys. If you're big into video games, it's, it is like a hardcore addiction. And now you got a bunch of money and a heck, a, a, a ton of freedom, which you might have had in college also, but just a massive amount of freedom outside of here is your schedule. You need to be doing, you know, here's your diet, here's your workout regimen, show up to the gym and do this, show up to these meetings, and then we're, we got practice on this day. Otherwise, it's up to you. And in the NFL... You, you generally don't just walk into the NFL and you're just an elite player and you stay elite. You really got to grind on your craft. Let me put it this way. If Rashawn Gary had not been grinding as hard as he's been grinding, if he had been sitting around playing Call of Duty uh, in, in, for all of his downtime, he would not be the Rashawn Gary we'd be watching right now. Same for Yash Nijman, who got similar praise from, uh, I believe it was Matt LaFleur today, basically saying the athleticism was always there, but there was a long road to uh, to get to where he needed to be, and and kudos to him for putting in a massive amount of work to be able to get to this point. And and you know there are guys where you look at it and go, it's just it doesn't seem to be clicking. And I think Kyler is one of them. And I don't think he had a terrible year last year. I mean, as far as a you know, as, if you look at his passing grade via PFF, it went through the roof. But his rushing grade plummeted and everything else. But something just doesn't seem to be clicking. And I think he has that ability to be one of the best. But you know, if he's sitting around messing around playing video games when he should be studying especially for preparing for upcoming games, film study of upcoming opponents. That stuff is super serious. And the best of the best, that's what you always hear. You talk about guys like Charles Woodson and stuff and their study habits and watching and understanding the offense and the cadence and the, you know, when guys are lined up a certain way. I remember Akeem Hicks talking about, you know, he, he's found a tell in some offense. I think it was a Packers offensive lineman um, when his, based on how his foot was. So he knew if he was going to kick back or, 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 you know, push forward as in a run play. So he just had to tell the whole game. So there, there's a there's a big gap between the minimum that is required of you and the amount of time in the day. And you get to choose how to fill that time. Anyways, um, NFC North notes. Nothing on the Vikings because they're stupid and practice late. Uh, the Lions did sign wide receiver Maurice Alexander and waived running back Greg Bell. Quintez Cephas, who was injured, is um, or will be back to practice very soon. At least that is the expectation. 
And according to head coach Dan Campbell, the two young guys that have made the biggest second-year jumps are linebacker Derek Barnes and running back Jamar Jefferson. As for the Chicago Bears, it was mostly an upbeat um, attitude, at least toward the end. I don't know where it came from because it was all negative, 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 negative. And then at the end, they're like, that was the greatest one we've seen. But head coach Matt Eberflus said that uh, practice, the offense cleaned up some things, less penalties, better operation overall. But again, certainly some mixed messages. For example, here is a tweet that I found earlier. It says, no way around it, Bears fans. One-on-one drills was straight up embarrassing for the offense today. It's an offensive drill, and they've completed around 25% of their passes. Looking at a couple notes, uh, Justin Fields and otherwise. Justin Fields in third team, uh, third team, well, let's start from the bottom. Justin Fields in the first team drill of the day, two for four. It includes a drop by Komet, big gain to St. Brown, a near interception by Gordon, and a short throw to Mooney. Justin Fields' second uh, team drill, three for five. Quick short pass to Mooney, pass breakup by Brisker, and a shovel pass to Harry. So three, three of five, and two of them were basically one-yard pitches. <laughs> Justin Fields has been running for his life throughout this portion of 11 on 11. Pocket keeps collapsing around him in a hurry. You love to see it. Justin Fields on third team drill. One completion. It included a sack where he slipped two busted screens. Uh, call them wins for the defense. A step up and scramble up the middle and a check down to Herbert. Again, the one completion is a check down. All of these completions are like, aside from the one big pass to Equinemius St. Brown that they cannot stop talking about the highlight of camp. Um... These are little checkdowns, hot read, three-yard, hit-the-guy-in-the-flat type passes. So congratulations to the Bears offense for really, really getting it together. Tevin Jenkins still not out on the field. Oh, and I really like this. This is from Aaron Lemming. Um, It kind of goes hand-in-hand with something else I want to talk about, but it really just has an an attitude of um, things are not going well. He says, my thing about training camp practices, they're only meaningful in the moment. Once the preseason starts, no one talks about camp highlights anymore. Once the regular season starts, no one talks about preseason anymore. I'm just glad football's back. He continues, there's way too much hostility going on right now for me in my timeline 24-7. People are free to feel however they want, but it's also making a lot of folks not want to tweet or interact. The truth eventually comes out in terms of how players will really look. That happens in season. Again, clearly this is about constant negative feedback from Bears fans about how things are going. Continuing, I'll be honest, I don't really give a about how Justin Fields looks in training camp practices. I'll put a bit more value into preseason, but even then, the only thing that truly matters is the regular season. This is the favorite line of people who are mad about how things are going. And I'm going to address that in a little bit, because yes, there is a little bit of truth to that, but this is clearly deflection, right? If things were going great, he wouldn't drop that line. He wouldn't be talking about, well, nobody cares about this. goes on, it's the same concept with training camp and preseason heroes. How many times over the years have guys like Ryan Nall, Rodney Adams, Tanner Gentry impressed during August and touched the ball twice during the regular season? Next month is when things matter for me. Last year, by the way, wasn't Justin Fields awesome at this time last year? Wasn't that the entire point? Because I distinctly remember wanting to go back and see if um, it was the same kind of thing that we were hearing from Mitch Trubisky, and I went back and found out it was not. Things were actually terrible, so I was like, oh, I guess this is different. So Justin Fields was carving up camp last year. This year, it's going kind of poorly. So we're not necessarily talking about guys that are positive and getting super jacked up about them. We're talking about a quarterback that needs to take a second-year leap who seems significantly worse than he did last year at this time. So if you want to pretend that means nothing, you can. I'm just saying, okay. 
He finishes with, none of this is to say everything is going to be all right, or even to say that everything is going to be terrible. It's simply to say that a bunch of practices a month before the regular season rarely translate to anything we see in the regular season. So again, first reason I wanted to bring that up is to show that the Bears fans are in a complete pit of despair right now, to the point where guys like Aaron Lemming are backed up against a wall, screaming back at Bears fans saying, you guys need to shut up. You're overreacting to training camp. Grow up. Right. And there is some truth to that, but there's also some truth to the fact that you want to see things that are positive because it's good. (laughs) Right. It's not true that there is zero correlation just because you can find one example, two examples, three examples of guys that looked good, but then weren't good. It's the same thing with college. Right. You can watch all the tape you want and then say, well, it doesn't matter. You got to wait until they get into the pros to see what they're actually going to be. That's true. And we can find millions of examples of guys, not literally, of guys that were great in college and you would think they'd be great in the pros that were terrible and other guys that did not look good in the pros that end up being great pros. That still doesn't change the fact that there is a a correlation, not one-to-one, but there is a correlation between being a really good football player in college and becoming a really good football player in the pros. Likewise, if you were to bet on somebody in Packers camp to break out, would you pick somebody completely randomly because nobody knows? Or would you maybe pick somebody that's having a really good camp? Fully acknowledging that it doesn't 100% translate, but it still kind of gives you a little bit of a glimmer. So yes, it's true that people can overreact. It's also true that many people underreact, and I'm kind of getting annoyed with that narrative. There, There are certain things that people say that are just not very profound that people love to say to make themselves sound smart, and this is one of them, and it really annoys me. And again, I'll acknowledge that there's a a threat of truth to it, and we don't need to overreact. It doesn't mean Romeo Dobbs is going to be this elite player. I've I've never said that. I think most people acknowledge that we we won't know until the games start. But it's also not true that it means nothing. Why would they do it if it doesn't mean anything? Why do coaches say that we need this for evaluation? How can you evaluate them? You can't evaluate them. I don't mean to pick on the guy, and I'm not going to say his name, but he may know who I'm talking about because I'm going to read it verbatim. Again, th- there is a thread of truth, and I understand the sentiment, but I'm, I'm just kind of getting tired of it. It says, they're running around, the, the question was, give me your impressions of the uh, special teams and some of the thoughts on what's been going on. He says, they're running around in shorts. I'll give you an impression after four regular season games that actually count. Just the general idea that all of the preseason stuff is stupid. Isn't it crazy that we're making evaluations on who gets cut from our team based on stuff that, that doesn't provide us any real information? Why are we risking injury for things that don't matter? How are guys moving up and down the depth chart based on things that don't matter? And by the way, the other thing that's annoying about this, the team is not going to be the same the last four weeks as they are the first four weeks. So why would you give me any assessment after the first four weeks? That's not going to tell you anything. And here's the other thing. What are the, the last four weeks aren't going to tell you anything anyways either. Because when the Packers have lost all those games in the postseason, what could you have seen that would possibly given you that information other than it's happened before in the postseason? But there's nothing that happens in the regular season or, or if you look at the last four weeks to say, I know exactly what's going to happen. The offensive line, defensive line, quarterback, and everybody else are going to forget how to play football because that's what we've seen most recently. Or that's what we saw the first four weeks of, of football. No, it's not. There is no point in time when you're going to get a full picture of this is exactly who they are and who they will always be. It's a constantly moving, evolving, and fluctuating thing. You take the information as you have it, as it comes. Everything that we're seeing in training camp is relevant. Just like everything you see in week one is relevant, but it doesn't mean anything in regard to necessarily how great they're going to be in week two. I've used Brian Burns as an example. He killed it in in the, the, the preseason 
time frame. And everybody freaked out and was like, yeah, well, let's see what happens. Well, the first four weeks of, of his career, guess what? He was one of the best pass rushers in football. So if you pause it there and make your full assessment, you'd be way off because he fell mm-hmm. off after that. So if we're going to be hyper, like super sound, you know, sound super intelligent and everything else about our, our ability to assess things, you can never do it. There is never a time you can pause it and write down all your assessments and say, this is exactly what they are. You don't know because you don't know what the, you're, you're describing what they have been in the past. You cannot tell me what they're going to be in the future. So all we can do is take the information that we have and do our best to assess what it's going to mean in the future. And yes, it is true. What we're hearing in training camp is less significant than if we had seen Romeo Dobbs do this in week one. But guess what? If Romeo Dobbs comes out week one and he gets 100 yards and two touchdowns, I have no way of knowing he's ever going to do that for the rest of his entire career. Likewise, if he comes out and gets, you know, one reception for four yards and and that's it, that doesn't tell me anything about his career either. So we can play this stupid game of, well, I don't, you know, we don't, we don't have enough information yet forever, forever. Or we can just lighten up a little bit, not try to be the smartest guy in the room with, with really basic. And I think that's what's annoying to me is this is such basic information basic thought process of this isn't as important because they have shorts and t-shirt, which they don't anymore. They put their pads on, but the fact that everybody knows, dude, we know, we get it. So what? It's still information. It is relevant. It does matter. It does mean something. That's why they're doing it. It's not as good information. Fine. So what? It's still information. Just like week one is just information, but it's not the full picture. You're never going to get the full picture. After the first half of the season, we're going to have to be able to look back and see what the defense is, and we're not going to know what the defense is going to be the last half of the, of the season. We can look at it and say, oh, look, they're, they're ranked 11th. They're not that good. What are they going to be the second half? Well, I don't know. Exactly. So what are you talking about? You're never going to get the full picture. It's always just little pieces, and we're always just kind of guessing. So yes, I can look at Romeo Dobbs and say he's doing a really good job. And that does mean something. And he is moving up the depth chart. And he is building rapport with Aaron Rodgers. And some of the quotes from Aaron Rodgers on Romeo Dobbs are really, really surprising and impressive. And no, that doesn't mean that he's going to be a great football player for a long time. Just like if, if, some, if Christian Watson comes out and let's say his first game action is week one and he gets 50 yards and a touchdown. What do we know about, what, about Christian Watson? Nothing. Nothing. I don't know a single thing about his career. If you, if you were to lay out every single Packers wide receiver and say, all right, pick up Christian Watson and put him in this list somewhere, where does he rank? Is he like just below Jordy or is he like a, like a Geronimo Allison kind of guy? What are we thinking here? I don't know. It was one game. What do you want me to say? So, you know, again, if people want to get too carried away and, and you feel the need to reel them in, I guess go ahead. But I really genuinely, and I, and I mean this very sincerely, I don't think anybody out there doesn't realize that what you're seeing in practice doesn't 100% translate to what we're going to see on the field. I don't think anybody's looking at this saying, I know 100% that this is going to happen because I saw it a couple times in training camp. Everybody understands that this may not translate, just like the preseason may not translate, just like the regular season may not translate to the rest of the regular season or the postseason or anything else for that matter. So we don't need that constant reminder of, oh, it's just training camp. It's just training camp. It just it doesn't mean anything. Yes, it does. It does mean something. It might not mean as much, and I don't know to what degree it means less or how significantly, but I also don't care. I don't need the reminder. I fully am aware of the difference. I get it. Which, by the way, also kind of hilarious. Romeo Dobbs in, in shorts and t-shirt was killing it. 
Is it completely random that he's also doing it in pads? That he's also still carving up the defense? Is that just a complete coincidence, flip a coin kind of thing? Or maybe, maybe it did kind of mean something that he was able to do it in shorts and a t-shirt. Maybe it did point to a good wide receiver. And maybe we could have taken that information and saying, although I don't know that he's going to be able to still do it throughout training camp or with, with shoulder pads on, if I had to bet on somebody, I'd probably bet on that guy because he's been doing it. Do you get what I'm saying? So yeah, I get it. People overreact. But don't overreact in the opposite direction. Everybody knows. Everybody gets it. Just calm down. If I see one more tweet about shorts and t-shirt, oh, you actually think it means something when they're wearing shorts and (laughs) t-shirts? Thank you for your contribution to the conversation, sir. Good lord. Freaking Albert Einstein has just entered the chat. Oh, and we just got breaking news. The NFL has decided that they will appeal the Deshaun Watson six-game suspension. Somebody explain this to me. I know you guys are going to know this by the time this airs, but they're appealing to do what? (laughs) In what direction are they appealing? Are they saying that that was too light and he needs to be, uh, you know, kicked out a little more? Or are they trying to get him to play week one? Because that would be crazy. And I, I, this is just my thought process right now. I feel like they wouldn't be stupid enough to try to get it down from six. Just from a PR standpoint, that is absolute suicide. But I would also be surprised if they tried to make it more than six games because obviously they want Deshaun Watson to play. They want the guy in there. They want good football. He's a good football player. They want it. This is an opportunity for them to just kind of keep their hands clean and be like, I don't know, we hired this person and she's going to do the investigation. Oh, you found that? Hey, well, we might not agree with it, but, you know, we're going to abide by it and... Best of luck to everybody involved, and uh, thanks for uh, resolving this issue, and we can never talk about it again. That's great. And it would have been gone. I'd say it wouldn't be gone because, you know, it would it would eventually come back up, probably after about six weeks when Deshaun came back. But this is kind of my thought process in terms of what the heck are we are we doing here? Um, let's see if I can get some information here. Yeah, it just says they're going to appeal it. What I, To what end? I don't understand. And I'm trying to read the comments because, you know, for some reason I'm stupid enough to think they know. So they're they're running on what, what they think is going to happen, but obviously they have no idea either. Anyways, we'll see how that goes. This is going to be a interesting situation. According to Field Yates, it is now up to Commissioner Roger Goodell to decide who will hear the appeal of Deshaun Watson's suspension. It can be Goodell himself or it does. This is why this whole thing was a sham to begin with. <laughs> it's like... They hired somebody to do a job. He didn't like the conclusion, so he's going to file an appeal, which basically just means he's going to change the decision because it's up to him who hears the appeal. So he's either going to appoint somebody that's going to do what he wants him to do, or he's just going to do it himself. I feel like the NFL is set up a lot like Russia, you know, (laughs) where it's like, hey, this guy's the leader of the country, and Putin is like this kind of lesser whatever. It's like, yeah, dude, Putin runs everything. Oh, no, we got free elections, and we got this, and we got a cabinet. It's like, dude, stop. Just stop. Benjamin Albright says, while everybody thought the Dolphins and Ross news yesterday was a distraction, it actually was the league showing precedent in punishing an owner for something. What? The, where the heck is this going? Anyways, we'll, we'll, we'll get off that. Why don't we take a break here, and then I'll go through a couple different sound clips. We'll go over some of the stuff that Goot and everybody said, and uh, we'll see where we're at after that. Before we take a break, please remember pristineauction.com. 
It is the most trusted sports memorabilia auction site anywhere online. Thousands of autographed items, some of them starting at $1. Again, Justin Herbert jersey sold for $110, which is completely unheard of. Signed. I mean, those freaking jerseys are like $110 by themselves, aren't they, if you go online right now? Let me look it up. NFL shop, yeah, $100. Men's Nike Justin Fields jersey is $130. Not signed, just go buy it from the NFL shop. I don't know why it says Justin Fields jersey. Did I literally type that in? my? You know what's going on here? It's, it's an ad, so I won't go down that road. <laughs> I won't go on a trail here. I am huffing bug spray, though. Um, supposed to say Herbert, but it's Fields. PristineAuction.com. Everything you buy is going to come with a certificate of authenticity from the industry's most reputable authenticators. And when you sign up, please make sure to use promo code ROGERS, R-O-D-G-E-R-S. You're going to get $10 off the first item that you win, and you're going to be entered to win a signed Quay Walker jersey. Make sure you head over to Pristine Auction. That is P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E-A-U-C-T-I-O-N.com. Use promo code ROGERS. Get you that Quay Walker jersey, man. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. So why don't we, let's do the, we'll do the podcast thing is what we're going to do. 
Um, as I said, Aaron Rodgers was on a podcast kind of talking about some different things. I have one, two, three clips. Three clips. They are somewhat long, but I think they're pretty good. Um, the first one is more general, just kind of talking about how... Oh my goodness, with the stupid chairs upstairs. It's so loud. You'd think my family just lives in the kitchen and they just just redecorate constantly. Anyways, the first clip is kind of discussing what's been going on recently with all the talking and going on shows and everything. He's kind of talked about this before, but it's a little bit more in depth. So I wanted to play it for you. Well, I think that if I can do anything today and through go on the Pat McAfee show and some of the interviews I've done the last couple of years is to continue to give out a permission slip for people to be unapologetically themselves. And it's not the norm, I would say, all the time in professional sports. There's uh, ideas out there about just shut up and dribble or shut up and stay on the field or mm-hmm. just kind of keep your opinions to yourself. Just talk to me about football, entertain me, and that's all. that's all I want. But there's also narratives out there uh, for all of us that uh, that can run sometimes. And it's nice to be able to take back some of the narrative and let people kind of see uh, beyond the veil uh, into who I am, what I'm about. And as much as uh, it's extremely liberating for me, I think it also is a permission slip for other people, hopefully, to feel comfortable embracing their truth and living their best life, whatever that looks like, and stepping into their own power. And I think that's what the journey has been for me the last, really my life and my career in the NFL. It's as the self-love has increased, the fears about the um, how it's uh, recepted by people um, how it's received just continues to dwindle. And I just care more about uh, being authentically myself to hopefully allow people to step into their own authenticity and, and live out their own name story. And I, th- I think I really, I really like that. This isn't really football related, but look, to be completely honest, I think Aaron Rodgers has gone off completely into Looney Tune territory. I think he's doing too much ayahuasca, I think he's he's getting way too much into astrological signs, and I, I think it's nonsense. Here's the other thing, though. Who cares what I think? Who cares what I think? I like it because we are getting way too far down the road into if you don't think what I think, if you don't say what I say, if you don't feel how I feel, you are a bad person. And and the, the thing that's really annoying about it is that there's no actual power in the people who kick and scream and whine and cry. The only power they have is the fact that for whatever reason, everybody is scared to to not apologize and not to capitulate and to not say, you know, to write this written apology. And I'm so sorry that I did that. All it takes is for a guy like Rogers to come out and say, this is this is what I think. This is how I feel. And do it in a completely respectful way. He didn't do a single thing wrong. And everybody kicked and they screamed and they cried and they whined and they wrote articles and they seethed and they scolded and they spit. And every press conference was just seething and angry, and he didn't capitulate. He just, he kept doing it. In fact, he dug his heels in even harder. He went on Pat McAfee's show, and he called them a bunch of idiots and a bunch of crybabies and said that they're exactly what's wrong with the country, and he's exactly right. People can be whatever they want to be, as long as they're not hurting other people. 
Who cares? He didn't get vaccinated. Oh well. He believes in goofy stuff. Yep, he does. So what? Leave the guy alone. Well, he shouldn't be talking about it. Why not? I mean, I certainly understand the position of I don't care what you think if it's not football related. I get that. But that comes from a standpoint of people who are actors or football players who come out and think that their opinion on things means more. It doesn't. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's not worth nothing. You're, you're just a normal person in this field, in this arena, because you're not a doctor, you're not a surgeon, you're not a whatever the cause is we're dealing with. But on the flip side, it's not true that you have to shut up, that you're not allowed to talk about it. That's not true at all. And so I just, I just appreciate that from him and from a lot of, a lot of people are taking that now. And I, I just, I really like it. This is who I am. It's not just controversial stuff. It's just in general. Everything feels so cookie cutter. Everybody's trying to be like everybody else. Everyone's trying to think like everyone else. Even podcasts. When you listen to podcasts, they're trying to sound like other podcasts. Why are you doing that? What is the fun in that? Why don't you be yourself and just, if you're an idiot, be an idiot. If you're smart, be smart. If you're dorky, be dorky. If you're funny, be funny. Why do you have to pretend to be, why do you have to do your podcast voice? Hey guys, welcome to the Packernet Podcast. Today we're going to be talking to Stephen Michaels of the Stephen Michaels Podcast. Stephen Michaels has been working for 14 years in this industry and it's, dude, ugh, and it's so scripted and just stuffy. Relax, lean back in your chair, calm down. You're making me nervous. Just do what you want to do. And anybody that tells you you shouldn't do it, tell them to shove it. All this thought policing nonsense. Just, it's so stupid. And again, I I think he's a whack job. (laughs) I'm listening to this podcast and I'm like, oh, he's totally gone. His brain is fried. But I don't care. Because I will take a hundred Aaron Rodgerses who are guys that are like, I think weird stuff, but I don't really care. I'm just going to be me and I'm going to let you be you. And I'm going to really not interfere in your life whatsoever unless and until you cross the line and start interfering in other people's lives and I'm going to tell you to back off. You need to leave people alone, let people do what they want to do. Give me a hundred of those people. So I like it. I love it. I'm here for it. And I love that he's super vocal about it too because he's he's just going to keep saying stuff and people are going to keep judging him for it. And he's going to say, yeah, well, you're an idiot. So <laughs> I don't care. I'm happy. You're angry and miserable. So best of luck with that. That is a miserable way to be too because it's never going to work. This whole thing where we all think alike, it's never going to happen, ever. I don't care how much, you know, I mean, you look at the most totalitarian countries around the world where it's indoctrination from the time you're born until the time you die, and there's, nobody buys into your crap, you know? It's never going to work. People, people are individuals, no matter how much you don't want them to be, and they're going to hold opinions that you don't like. That's the way it's always going to be, and you're going to have to deal with it. I'm so sorry about that. Anyways, another story uh, in the podcast from Aaron Rodgers. This, he kind of talked about this before, but I feel like he went a little bit more in depth. We keep hearing about this moment that he, you know, after the 2018 season, which obviously things seemed like they were going way downhill, he went back and found some film back in 2010, and um, it kind of changed some things. But he really went in depth about how unbelievably impactful it was for him in his in his life and in his career. So I wanted to play that for you. A couple of years ago in the 2020 camp, um, and I kind of held on to this the entire year because it was, it was deeply meaningful and also um, I just didn't want to get it out there yet. But I went back and watched old film of myself from 2010 and 11 
And I was coming off 2018. I, I uh, uh, had a tibial plateau fracture and a torn MCL in the first game of the year against Chicago. And it stayed with me the entire season. It actually got better. Then in Detroit, I got tackled from the side weird and re and re uh, messed up the uh, the MCL. But in 19, you know, I was still kind of getting back to my fundamentals that I had before that. But in 2020, I was watching this film and something clicked. And I just remembered uh, a thought. It's like a swing thought in golf, like wanting to have one or two swing thoughts. I remembered like a fundamental thought that I used to carry with me that was ingrained in me by Tom Clements, my quarterback coach from when I was a young player. And actually he's back with us now about the, uh, the hitch at the back of the drop and the heaviness at the, at the top of the drop that allows you to throw the ball in rhythm. And I watched that in the morning and went out to practice and we were practicing at Lambeau field. And I still remember the play. It was hard play action to the left inside zone. And I was throwing a read route, which is like a 20 yard stop route to the left. And as I was getting under center, I was that that film was on my mind, and I came up off the back of that and was heavy at the back and had this beautiful hitch and threw just a f***ing laser. And it, I'm getting chills now thinking about it because it was so deeply meaningful. And, and to most people, it would be like a throwaway story, but to me, it was the most meaningful thing that happened to me. Um, and that stuck with me, and I realized... It was like all these memories flashed, you know, before my eyes of throws I'd made over the last, at that point, the last 12 years as a starter, and it just clicked. In that moment, everything clicked that I'd learned up until that point, and it just kind of came right back to the front of my mind, and I went on to have a fantastic camp, probably the best camp I've had in my career, and went on to have the best, you know, season possibly of my career uh, in 2020 and one MVP. Now there's, we'll get into, there's obviously a lot of other yep, stuff that happened sure. in 2020, but from a pure football standpoint, uh, that moment was, was deeply impactful. And then the final clip kind of just rolls right into that. It talks about, or Rogers talks about how it kind of changed him based on, you know, what actions he took after all this stuff happened. It didn't just change the way I played. It changed the way I worked because I realized in order to do this, the way I used to do that, I have to be so incredibly balanced and stable in my lower half. And it changed my workouts. It changed uh, the proprioception stuff that I did and to where I wasn't squatting for years. And now I get under a safety squat bar and I squatted 500 pounds, you know, at, at, at Proactive uh, a month ago. So, again, those are sort of the fun little takeaways that I got from it. A lot of that information is stuff we already knew, but it's a lot more in-depth than I've ever heard it uh, personally. Um, finally looking at training camp, nothing really happened as far as it was just a walkthrough. So there were no cool plays, nothing crazy, which is nice because I needed a break after yesterday, which was super insane with the amount of notes that were there. So we're not even going to do a read through of all the different things that happened, but I do want to cover, uh, well, I'll say this, um, jog through pace today, but offensive line, Royce Newman, at right tackle, Yash at left tackle with the one. Zach Tom got mixed in at left tackle also. As far as injuries, um, Jair was back to practice today after dropping out of teams for precautionary reasons after feeling tightness yesterday. Looks like he's moving just fine in individual drills. On top of that, wide receiver Osiris Mitchell, um, as well as Patrick Taylor, were added to the uh, DNP list with some uh taylor it's a groin injury for uh osiris mitchell it is a quad injury so not great news for them osiris mitchell is at the the bottom of the wide receiver group and 
for Taylor, I mean, he's he's kind of just been ahead of the, I would say, the rookie pack just because of, of his experience. But if he's going to end up getting injured, I, I might have to bump up the other guys now, you know. So it's a tough situation with the running backs to try to figure out who's going to get that number three job. Again, it should be Hill, but he's been injured all the time. So I was by default going Patrick Taylor. Now he's injured. So I guess we're going Goodson. I don't really know. Uh, a couple notes from Brian Gutekunst. First of all, talking about Romeo Dobbs, which is always the first question, which I appreciate because I, w- I can never get enough hearing about the guy. Um, he says, it's exciting to watch players have good starts, but you know there's going to be ups and downs. It's a great start. It's really a credit to his preparation. He says he's really pleased with the fact that he's showing on the practice field what they saw when they scouted him, especially his ability to win in multiple ways as a receiver. And to be completely honest, I mean, that's one of the good things about him, especially if we're talking about being, you know, ready day one, is just the amount of usage he had. I mean, he he was he was targeted so many times. <laughs> so he's got a lot of experience just as a wide receiver. Uh, Gutekunst on Watson, this really made me nervous just in terms of, of further furthering my paranoia about him not coming back soon. He was asked about Christian Watson and essentially, are you concerned about the fact that he's not getting on the field and his ability essentially to produce for the team? And he says, I'm not concerned long-term. And he emphasized long-term, which can only really be interpreted one way. And he talks about this many times in this very press conference about when we draft guys, we have like a two to three year, you know, or, or not a two year, th- three year vision, but you know, it, it's, it's two and a half years roughly before they kind of figure it out. So it's always long-term vision. So when asked about Christian Watson, are you worried about all this? He says, no, it's, it doesn't impact our long-term vision of what we think he can do for us long-term. But the fact that he emphasized that when clearly the question was about, is he going to be ready week one? For him to say, we're not worried about, you know, his his ability long term tells me that there is concern about the short term. There's no reason to emphasize or add the qualifier if it's not needed. If we're if we're thinking he's going to come out week one with no issues whatsoever, there's no reason to say we're not worried long term. So again, it just continues to uh, feed that paranoia that I have that we may not see much of, of Christian Watson. Um, I hate to say this year, I'm not saying he's going to be injured all year, but couple that with maybe his inability to get much time on the field. I think I think we might be headed for something somewhat negative in that regard. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how long it takes for him to come back. But, you know, couple that with Matt LaFleur getting snippy every time he's asked about it. It just doesn't give me a very good feeling. Um, again, I mentioned the Yash Nyman thing. Brian Gutekunst was asked about it, and um, they said, you know, they, they really liked the guy day one. But again, you know, it's not about what you can do for us day one. He knew based on the athletic traits that Yash would be, could be a very good football player, but there was a very long road ahead of him and he needed to put in the work and he did. So cool little shout out to Yash uh, getting. The other thing I like about when he talks is every time he talks about these guys, he just has this attitude of, I knew he could do it. Like we wouldn't have brought him in here if it wasn't possible. They have the traits, they have the ability. It's a matter of, can they figure it out? Um, he kind of says that about Amari. He, he, I mean, to be honest, I'm shocked. I, I didn't realize that anybody actually thought that Amari was going to get cut. I, I saw that for the first time today, and then I saw multiple people kind of talking about it after after this press conference, essentially saying, you know, it looks like he's not going to get cut this year. And it's like, you really thought Amari was going to get cut? What third round draft pick gets cut after in in after one year in which he had no opportunities? That doesn't make any sense. But again, there's just such a massive disconnect between how this football stuff actually works and what fans think is happening. 
And he said exactly what I've been saying on this podcast forever. It's about opportunities. That's exactly what Brian Gutekunst said. He hasn't had any opportunities. They were asking about his, you know, well, you know, he, he cut weight. Do you think that makes a big difference? And he's like, yeah, you know, he, he was maybe a little bigger, you know, not out of shape, but he was a little bigger and we kind of got him tightened up a little bit, but he, he just kind of dismissed all of these little things that they keep throwing out there. And he's like, it's just about opportunities. He doesn't have the opportunity. These things take time. He needs practice. He needs reps. He needs to get out there on the field and, and, and play. And he just can't right now. And so that's that's the hindrance to him becoming the player that we know he can be. And he went on to essentially say, I, I'm very confident that he's going to have a great career here as a Green Bay Packer. And then reiterated the whole, you know, two and a half to three years before these guys figure out what the heck they're doing. So again, fans being so absolutely absurd about production after one year, or sometimes they don't even give him a year. If you give him two weeks and the guy hasn't done anything, it's, you know, burn him with fire. Amari did not get any opportunities because Randall is here. I've been saying the same thing over and over and over again, and they don't have the time to to coach the guy up during the season and like come up with game plans for a guy that's not ready. And so he just didn't get opportunities. He didn't get a lot of love in the in in the the practices in between the weeks, and so he it just was not a conducive environment for growth. So you're just gonna have to chill. I'm sorry. I know you want a guy week one to come out of college and just crush it, but that's generally not how that works. Sometimes, yeah, but it's, that's one every, what, 100, 200, 500, 1,000? Uh, talking about Jordan Love saying his biggest area of growth is his confidence and his offensive understanding. That was kind of my translation of it, but just his, his I think he had used the phrase, knowing what's going to happen before it happens. I also love that in his press conference, he basically called out people for, for not liking the Rashawn Gary pick. Um, they had asked about Rashawn and is he a bubble wrap guy? In other words, a guy that you're going to do everything you can to protect and make sure he doesn't get hurt and is ready for the regular season. He just flat out said yes, but kind of went on to talk about it. And he's like, I, I never understood why we got so much flack for taking Rashawn Gary. And it's such a power thing too, because he's like, he's doing exactly what we knew he would do. You know, two, two three years in, he's he's crushing it. We knew he would do that. It's not, it was never a, a doubt. That's why we drafted him. We knew he'd be a stud. <laughs> it's just, it's, and, and he, he even took it a step further, which I've even said this also, if you, well, on the podcast, but also in the, uh, the article I had written not too long ago. But if it wasn't for Preston and Zedarius sucking up all the snaps, he would have been where he is now a lot faster. Year one, maybe year two. I, I, the, the, the parallel I made was with TJ Watt and JJ Watt, or two guys that kind of broke out in year two. Rashawn was year three. But if you look at the snaps, they had the same amount of snaps in year two as Rashawn had in year three because he had such a limited you know, limited opportunities. So essentially the breakout was about the same if you look at snaps as opposed to years. Talking about Zach Tom, he says he's a very smart guy. He played a bunch of positions in college. We like his versatility. Um, exciting to see how he's played at multiple spots, he says. And then the, the final slightly funny anecdote was um, talking about Levitt. Brian Gutekunst joked, maybe it wasn't a joke, it says that he could count the seconds between when Raiders cut safety special teamer Dallin Levitt and when Rich Bisaccia called Gutekunst to push the Packers to sign him. So essentially they they had ended up cutting Levitt and, and Gutekunst is sitting there like just pulls his phone right out of his pocket just waiting for that phone call and sure enough, here it comes. Couple notes from Matt LaFleur. Um, he said he talked with Jordan Love after his practice on Tuesday said, quote, that might have been one of his best practices we've seen in three years. He made some big-time throws with pressure in his face, which, again, is just awesome stuff to hear. Uh, we don't want to give anybody time, but sometimes people take time. I'm not saying Love's going to be a good quarterback. He might still be hot garbage. I don't know. But, again, it's just a, a constant indictment on people that want to just jump on everything 
I mean, before, and that's the other thing, it, for most of these guys, it really has nothing to do with how they're performing. You hated the pick from day one. You, you have been calling this guy a bust since before he ever stepped foot in Wisconsin. But it really is just kind of absurd, the whole thing. Some things take time. And yeah, he has not had a lot of opportunities. And Gutekunst talked, or, or Lafleur maybe, Gutekunst, I don't know, one of them talked about that too, where you had the COVID year. So you get much, I mean, everyone wants to say, well, this is year three. Is it though? There's a massive difference between year three for Jordan Love and year three for a guy like, you know, Justin Jefferson, who's been a number one guy that's been, you know, starting every single week, every single day, every single snap. Massive difference. You can say year three all you want. The guy's taken like 10 regular season snaps for crying out loud. I know it's more than that with the one full game, but still, it's it, he's had almost no time whatsoever, and even in the offseason, he's had injuries to deal with, he's had COVID to deal with, and with the preseason getting cut down to nothing, even Jordan Love's not getting much opportunities there either. And again, on top of that, you got, uh, we don't start our starters, and half the time, these defenses do, so he's going up with number two, number three, wide receivers, offensive line. I mean, if you put Jordan Love out there with our starting offensive line and our starting wide receivers and our starting tight ends and starting running backs up against their starting defenses, he might have a shot, but no, he doesn't. He's got a number one defense up against our backups, and he's got to try to make that look good. But anyways, this is his best camp so far, for whatever that's worth. Um, The final thing was a... uh, I was going to play the clip, but we're going kind of long here anyways. Um, Talking about all the muffed punts yesterday, I believe there were four of them, and everybody, including myself, was pretty upset, thinking, oh, here we go again. Matt LaFleur 100% blamed the jugs machine for that, saying it was shooting them out all weird, and you know the, the media was kind of blaming the wind, just thinking maybe that what was going on was wind gusting, but I didn't really understand what the issue was, but he said it made it basically impossible to catch those punts, and so they need a new jugs machine, um, is essentially what he said, and he was very, very heated about it. He was very angry about how that performed. So, And it, and it makes sense. You, you kind of want to look at it and go, okay, yeah, right, Matt making an excuse for your special teams guys, but to have no issues and then all of a sudden nobody can catch a punt, three different return guys were dropping punts, that seems unlikely, unless there was a bigger issue. Um, And then finally, Aaron Rodgers talked to the media in the locker room and uh, had some really, really good nuggets. First of all, uh, impromptu, giving A.J. Dillon a lot of love, strong praise for his overall improvement over the course of the last three years, but especially in the passing game, he said, I like it when they do that, when they just pick guys out, because you can't always see, but when you're in it, especially when you're Aaron Rodgers and you really understand the understanding aspect of it, the comprehension aspect of it, for him to come out and be like, dude, Dylan's really getting it, that means a lot. Even if I'm not getting a lot of notes on my end from media guys, because, you know, there's not much to see, he's got the inside track on, you know, guys that are finally getting this thing and it's starting to click. And what year is he in again? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, another thing that I thought was kind of cool, I think it was it Nico on Twitter possibly had asked me a question kind of pertaining to this, but Aaron Rodgers on taking time to talk to players on both offense and defense in between drills at camp. He says, quote, I want to win badly and you have to communicate to win. Now that doesn't necessarily say that he didn't do this in the past, but it's still, it kind of gave me the vibe that um, he's realizing that that needs to be a bigger part of what he does. So a lot of just constant communication with offensive, and we've seen it with the, you know, yesterday there was a clip of him with Christian Watson. We've seen him off to the side talking to corners, probably after he cooks a corner, you know, on one hand, you feel good about it. On the other hand, it's like, Hey, that's my guy. That's my team. And if I'm able to do it to him, somebody else is going to be able to do it to him too. So you want to bring these guys up and say, here's how I beat you. Here's what you did wrong. You know, fix it. The same way you would with a wide receiver, tight end or running back. You should be looking at linebackers and cornerbacks and safeties and saying, Hey, 
I know you're messing up. I can see when you're about to do this and I hit that. And that's, that's how I beat you every time. Clean that up. You know, go, go, go to the player, go to the coaches, tell them everything. Uh, he also had a note on uh, special teams. He says, I love it. Rich has come in and set the standard and not too many people are talking back to him. So he's got a lot of praise for special teams as well. And then the two best notes of the day, and I didn't save the right one, and I got to try to, I think I retweeted it, so I'll find it. This is via Ryan Wood. It says, Aaron Rodgers impressed with Romeo Dobbs started camp, start to camp. What the heck is that? As I said, I'm, I'm huffing. Uh, my wife wanted to fumigate my office, and she's like, oh, just give it like a half hour before you go back down there. And I walk in, and I'm like, oh, it still stinks in here. And my mouth is so dry. And <laughs> now I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder a little bit, but that I'll be fine. I've, I probably won't die instantly from this. It'll just be a slow, painful death in like 10 years. Um, quote, every single day, there's been at least one big wow play from him. That's kind of rare for a young guy like that. Now, we've had some guys over the years do that, but they're all in the top 10 in Packers receiving history. That is a quote from Aaron Rodgers. That's not somebody saying that like as, as a media guy or whatever. This is this full thing. I'm going to read it again, is a quote from Aaron Rodgers. Every single day, there's been at least one wow play from him. That's kind of rare for a young guy like that. We've had some guys over the years do that, but they're all in the top 10 in Packers receiving history. He's flat out saying, if this guy isn't a star, he'll be the first. I've very rarely seen guys do this, and everybody I can point to has been a star. I'm sure he's talking about guys like Devontae, like Jordy, like Randall, whatever. So again, doesn't mean it has to be that way, but he's just drawing a direct parallel. This very rarely happens, and I've never seen someone come in here and do, which again goes to the whole training camp doesn't mean anything thing. Aaron Rodgers is telling you he's never in his life seen a rookie come in, perform to this level, and it doesn't translate to the regular season, which is weird because apparently there's no correlation between the two, right? Anyways, final really, really awesome note. And the first time I heard this, I kind of shrugged it off. And then I realized he would never say something like this if he didn't 100% mean it because of the respect that he has for Woodson. But he says, quote from Aaron Rodgers, Razul is one of the smartest guys I've ever played with. He reminds me in the greatest respect of Charles Woodson. Again, Rodgers would never in a million years. And, you know, there's, there's coach speak out there and there's silly stuff and people exaggerate or whatever. But first of all, the Packers coaches, GM players very rarely exaggerate. If anything, they under undersell guys because they don't want to give them, you know, too much confidence. But he would never say anything like that. You know, like when, when he passed the baton to Devante as the greatest player he's played with um, from Charles Woodson to Devante, that was a major thing. Because he said consistently throughout his entire career that Charles Woodson is the best football player he's ever played with. To put a guy like Razul Douglas, who you've spent one season with, and say that he is the smartest, one of the smartest guys he's ever played with, and reminds me of Charles Woodson, that that says everything. And it's really impressive. And, and, and the reason it gets me excited is because at the end of the day, that's really what made Charles special. I think for every player, there, there's an element of there's a limit to what you can do physically, and then your mind has to carry you the rest of the way. I think that's especially true for guys. You know, if you look at DBs like Charles Woodson, you know, you move him to safety and it's all mental from there. But you look at all the routes that he jumped and all the interceptions, and that's what gets me excited about that too, because Razul, his whole thing was interceptions. And you think, well, that's probably not going to carry over into the next season. But if it did, it's because he's an unbelievably intelligent football player. The reason that guys who can sustain high success like that. And granted, he's had plenty of years and hasn't done it before. It's not like he suddenly got smart, but it just gives you a 
a reason to believe that Razul is going to be different. Not just with with getting picks, but just as as maintaining his high level of play, because that is what it's going to be at this point in his career. He has a certain level of athleticism. We've seen it. We know what his low end uh, production is. He's not going to be the biggest, the strongest, or the fastest anywhere. He's certainly not on our defense, and he's probably not compared to the other team's offense. But he sure as heck can be the smartest guy on the field, and that carries tremendous weight. So. Really, really awesome quotes from Aaron Rodgers, just stuff that you generally don't hear from him. And we've been kind of pushing for Dobbs quotes for a long time and pushing and pushing and pushing, and everyone's kind of pushed back a little bit. And it kind of gets to the point for everybody where it's like, all right, now I've seen enough to actually believe. And I think Rodgers got to that point. You know, one day is cool, two days is cool, but it's kind of gotten, we've had seven days of training camp. Two of them were kind of walkthroughs, but at least five full days of training camp for Rodgers to see what he can do. And, and, and again, you put the, the shoulder pads on, he's still doing it. The I don't know if you saw the, the video that somebody posted of Packers training camp of him beating Eric Stokes. And it was, it was incredible because it was, it was almost pure speed. I mean, it, it was, he was great off the line, but you know, Stokes has what you would think would be makeup speed to catch up to him. He didn't. And it was a perfectly placed ball by Aaron Rodgers to, you know, get him to, to go a little bit further to the outside, but it was so clean. The whole thing, the, you know, getting off the line, the route, the, you know, the speed down the field, the throw. Stokes is a good football player. I don't know how good, but he's a good football player. And that was just a, that was just perfection. And it, and they, Aaron Rodgers and Romeo Dobbs made Stokes look like a chump. It was really, really impressive. But anyways, I got to get out of here. I got to go drink some water and try to get some moisture back in my mouth and maybe get some fresh air. And then come back down here for Packernet After Dark. But you guys have yourselves a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.